This evening we're going to look at what many feel is one of the most difficult portions in the entire New Testament. Some hard questions that we need to grapple with. Many churches would just skip over the portion. But at the neighborhood, we delight in God's Word. We love this book. And we don't just love the easy stuff we're willing to grapple with. Some of the tougher stuff. And tonight we look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 16 to 17. If anyone sees his brother committing a son, a sin leading, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not pray, say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin. But there is sin that does not lead to death. The church has struggled, struggled with these two verses throughout the centuries. And tonight, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm hoping we'll be able to untie some of the knots. But before we dive in, let's just pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Father, this is your word. This is your word to us. We choose not to ignore it. We choose not to skim over it quickly. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see. You would help us to understand. In Jesus' wonderful name I ask. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight. You may be seated. Thank you, Paul and team. Job well done. this text tonight and share with you four observations. And my first observation from this text is that all wrongdoing is sin. All wrongdoing is sin. Verse 17. All wrongdoing is sin. All wrongdoing is sin. I hit a few slides there. I'm a little bit ahead of you already. So um, one more probably. Good, one more. Good. All wrongdoing is sin. And yet in this section, John says... There's two categories of sin. 
He says in verse number 16, there's sin not leading to death. And then uh, he says further down into the verse that there is a sin that leads to death. Hmm. Well, what's the difference? What makes a sin one that leads to death? Is that guy in the uh, left lane who is driving way too slow committing a sin that leads to death? is wearing bright red lipstick to church a sin that leads to death. What about uh, dancing with your daughter at her wedding reception? Is that a sin that leads to death? You say, well, that's a strange list. Well, other than the left lane one, I made that up myself. I remember discussions in church environments where people were absolutely disgusted with the lady who wore bright red lipstick to church. I've been in Christian discussions where the majority of the church was pretty sure the church was going to howl in a handbasket because the deacon danced with his daughter at her wedding reception. What is a sin that leads to death? Well, it's got nothing to do with your personal preferences. It's certainly some, not something that comes from a bunch of legalistic rules that someone somewhere made up. It's certainly not rooted in a doctrine of perfectionism that says we get to the place where we're perfect. You'll never do scripture justice if you just pick a verse and don't look at what you've already learned. So last September, we were in 1 John chapter 1, and we read verse number 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what the unrighteousness is, it is all unrighteousness that we can be cleansed from. If you at some point in your life made the terrible mistake of wearing red lipstick to church, I've got good news for you. God's already forgiven you. Actually, it wasn't even on his list of sins. God forgives us of our sins. 
but we also need to be equally real with the verse before that verse and the verse after at 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 8 and 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Friends, every one of us here has sinned. Most of us have sinned in the measurable past. Is it a sin you committed, a sin unto death, or is it a sin that is not unto death? That's the question that this portion forces us to think about. My second observation from this portion is that Christians can ask God to bring life to sinning Christians. Christians can ask God to bring life to sinning Christians. <laughs> Wow. Verse number uh, 16, if anyone sees his brother, sister, committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask God, and God will give him life. I'll talk more about these two categories later. But if you see a brother or sister committing a sin that does not lead to death, you can ask God to give them life. And God will give them life. Wow. Most of us have never thought about this. Most of us have never thought about this. But if you see a brother or sister sinning, you can ask God. You're, you, you don't do this. You ask God to do it, and God does it. And God will give them life. So I went home for an hour or so late this afternoon and just opened this portion and read it over. And I hadn't noticed this in this last couple of weeks of studying this portion. Anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, what is the proper response if you see a brother or sister committing a sin that does not lead to death. What should you do? You shall ask God to give him life. It's not a suggestion, friends. This is what you do. You ask God to give them life. We can choose as believers one of two responses to sin we observe. 
And the first one, uh, next slide please, uh, the first circle of response is you perceive sin. Yeah, that lady, that lady wore red lipstick. I perceive it, I perceived it, I saw it, others saw it, we got sin in the house. You perceive sin. Well, when you perceive sin, uh, what's the response of many Christians? Next click. Legalism and judgmentalism. <laughs> Wish the pastor would smarten up and start talking to these people about their red lipstick. It's driving me crazy. I don't even know if I can keep coming to this church. They're letting ladies wear red lipstick now. And we get all legalistic. We get mean. We get judgmental. And what happens when we are offended by, by something that someone has done? Somebody has offended you. They have an opinion different than you. Well, often <laughs> we get judgmental, and as a result of that, life is quashed. Life is quashed. The life that that person should be experiencing in Christ, the life that person should be experiencing from being in fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ feels like it's being stamped on and destroyed. We become life quashers. And when you become a life quasher, the end result is the perceived sinner is soured and you become bitter. And worse than that, the cycle, another click, just keeps on continuing because you keep on perceiving sin and your legalistic judgmental attitude and you keep on squashing life out of people and you just get bitterer and bitterer and bitterer and bitterer and people in the church are feeling the life sucked out of them. That's one response when sin is perceived in Christian communities. And then there's a second response. So go back, 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 back. You're way ahead of me. Thank you. You perceive sin. Ah, yeah, I, I, that, that lady disagreed with me. How dare her disagree with me? I pray an hour every day. How could she dare have an opinion different than me? sinful lady and so you perceive it as sin and then something happens in your heart and you say oops my attitude stinks and you ask God to give that person life you ask God to give them life <laughs> And then what happens? God gives life. And then what happens? You and the sinner walk in God's life and joy. So I have a serious question tonight. Uh, which one of, next click please. 
which circle of Christians do you want to be a part of? Which circle of Christians do you want to be a part of? A lot of us think the only holy place to be is on that left circle. Because holy people hate sin and they judge sin and they're hard on sin. But John's pretty clear here. If you see a brother, or you see a sister, doing something, and I've chosen this word carefully, perceived as sin, because sometimes we can't see clearly, friends. Sometimes we can't see clearly. But when we see something that we perceive as sin, I tell you what you need to do is you need to say, Oh God, I pray you'll bring life to them. I pray, Oh God, you'll forgive them. I pray, Oh God, you won't let this become something that destroys them. Oh God, pour life into them. That's what John's telling us to do here. And then what promise do we have in this portion? What promise do we have in this portion? When you pray that prayer, what do we, what do we see happening here? And God will give them life. Wow. Where'd my circles go? Um, back. Back, back, other way, other way. I want to live in that right-hand circle. And friends, I want to be a part of a church that lives in that right-hand circle. I would thinking about how I would handle things as a father if one of my sons did something wrong or inappropriate, all wrongdoing is sin. And I know that it's affected his brother. I know if his brother came to me and said, Dad, just, just forgive him. Just forgive him. <laughs> that would move my heart. And I wouldn't make a big deal of it. We'd have a little chat, but I would give life. I wouldn't give condemnation. I wouldn't give destruction. And Heavenly Father says, if you see your brother or your sister, doing something wrong. <laughs> you don't bring some spirit of condemnation on them. You don't quash them. You don't destroy them. But you go to Father and say, Father, Father, forgive them. Give them life. Forgive those who trespass against you, even as God has. Somebody famous said this. 
even as God has forgiven you. PowerPoint team, sorry, driving you crazy. Tough sermon to learn things on. Moving on, observation three in this portion. We need to pray big, confident, life-giving prayers. We can't divorce this portion from the message we heard at the neighborhood last weekend. And Pastor Yasmin, you delivered it very, very, very well. Verse number 14, 1 John 5, this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God wants us to pray big, confident, life-giving prayers. And he's saying here that our prayers even should extend to our brothers and sisters who sin. And we pray big, life-giving prayers for our brothers and sisters who pray, who sin. We say, oh God, oh God, give them life. And when we ask God to give them life, guess what happens? They get life. The Western culture, 20th century, probably the last half of it, 21st century, has become uh, increasingly individualistic. We find a church we like, we come to it, uh, we put something in the offering plate, and then we leave and hope nobody bugs us till next Saturday night. We live very separated lives. And for the most part, the Western church has stopped growing. Why is that? Because we're not meant to live individualistic lives. We are meant to be deeply connected with one another. It's the pattern of Scripture. In the Southern Hemisphere, the church for the most part is flourishing and countries are being transformed by the gospel. And they get community. They get community. They're deeply connected with one another and they're deeply concerned for one another. 
That's how our faith is supposed to be lived out. Just uh, next slide. I hope it's the right one, yeah. So, so it's, it's clear that we live in community. We serve, first serve one another, First Peter 4.10. We encourage and build each other up, First Thessalonians 5.11. We carry each other's burdens, Galatians 6.2. We pray for each other, James 5.16. We are just deeply connected, deeply involved in each other's lives. Friends, we should be so connected with one another and so in love with one another that when we see things that we perceive as sin, and remember, I chose that phrase carefully. <laughs> when we see things we perceive as sin, there is nothing in us that is hoping Dad will pull off that belt real quick and give him a good whipping. Our heart should be, oh God, oh God, give them life, forgive them, give them life, give them life. We're meant to consider others in everything we do, and that means we're life givers. Say, well, where'd you get that nonsense from? Didn't Jesus say, I have come to give you? Paul's the brightest person here. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And friends, if that's what Jesus has come to do, those of us who are his kids, those of us who are his children, ought to be just as deeply committed to make sure that we are spreading life in the family of God. We're not quashing people. We're not destroying people. Last observation. And in all of that, we also have to deal with the fact that there is a sin that leads to death. And John says, and I don't say you should pray for that. Well, what is this sin that leads to death? It's a big question. It's an important question. Um, I didn't start pastoring yesterday. And I walked through a lot of circumstances with a lot of people. And God has made some people with extra soft hearts and unusually tender consciences. And this portion of scripture drives them around the bend sometimes because they're really concerned <laughs> that they may have, may have done the sin that leads to death. We need to address this and we need to understand it. And some people are pretty sure that their failure to have lived a holy life has got them on a pathway straight to hell. 
Well, let's go back to a portion of Scripture we already read, 1 John uh, chapter 8, verses 8 and 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The fact that you have some regrets does not separate you from the life of God. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all failed. So what is this sin unto death? Well, Brian Glubish, who was a professor at Horizon College and Seminary for, I think, 20 years, used to say this often. I went to Bible college with Brian. We had the same teachers. Brian would say this to the students at Horizon. A text without a context is a pretext. A text without a context is a pretext. Friends, we need to always keep the text in context. We don't just take verses 16 and 17 and jump on them and run with them. What is the sin that leads to death? Verse 13, I think, tells us. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. How do you know you have life? How do you know that you have life? Oh, I've got life because I've lived perfectly. No. You have life because you believe in the name of the Son of God. Friends, the sin that leads to death is your stubbornness to the working and speaking of the Holy Spirit in your life that is calling him to you. It's your ignoring what he is saying. It's your saying, I'm going to do it my own way no matter what. I don't care what God has said. I don't care what Holy Spirit is doing. I'm not going to pay any. That's the sin that leads to death. When you reject the gospel, when you reject the good news, when you reject the reality that if you will just believe in the name of the Son of God, he'll come. And he'll give you eternal life. So why don't we pray for that? Comes back to our free will. See, God will never, God will never violate your free will. And he says, if somebody's being stubborn, you can pray that God will change their will, change their heart, but you can't pray that they'll have life. They're the ones, they're the ones who have to make the decision that they want to believe in the Son of God and have eternal life. That's where salvation is. And if you reject that, that's the sin that will take you to the place of death. So let's wind up. Worship band to come and get ready to help us conclude the service. 
inviting you to stand. You're here and I think this portion is really clear. Everybody here has the power to give life to people. Through their prayers and through the grace and mercy of God. The only thing that prevents you from entering into that life is your stubborn rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he's come to be your savior. He died for your sins. He rose again. The testimony of, of the water and the spirit and the blood. He, he's paid the price for you to have eternal life. And to reject that is the sin that'll lead to death. You're here tonight and you've never said yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit <laughs> that wants to give you life. He really does. God is not here to condemn you. God is not here to beat you up. God is not here to be hard on you. God wants to give you life. He wants you to have eternal life. If you're here tonight, tonight could be the changing point. <laughs> Of your life you just need to say God I accept Jesus accept the truth that he's the son of God that he's died for my sins and when you believe that you have eternal life is there anybody here tonight who would just as we're standing say I've never I've never surrendered I've been a bit stubborn but tonight I want to change I want to enter into eternal life in Christ I want to enter into eternal life in Christ. I want to give my life to him. Anybody just raise your hand and say, yeah, I don't, want to, I don't want to sin like that. I want eternal life. Bless you, my friend. Anyone else? Anyone else? I want to enter into eternal life. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Second question. Thank you, brother. Second question, every one of us needs to make a decision. Which one of those two circles you want to hang out with? What kind of Christians you want to hang out with? What kind of Christian you want to be? When you perceive sin, are you going to be somebody who just hopes God pulls out his big belt and hits you as hard as he can as many times as he wants because they deserve it? Or are you going to be a life giver? Are you going to be a life giver? I just want us to stop here for a minute. I want all of you to think about that. Where are you going to land on this? Because John says, if you perceive somebody having sinned, you shall ask. This is what you should do. You should ask God to give them life. Where do you want to dwell on this, friends? Lastly, um, 
Well, we're gonna sing the, the song, at least I think we are. I speak Jesus. And as we sing it, maybe, there's a brother or sister that maybe you have been thinking deserves God's punishment and wrath. Go get them, God, please. Proud of you if you just do it for me, God. Just this once, get them. As we sing, I speak life. I want you to just ask God to change your heart. And I want you to speak life. Speak life. Speak life into them. And guess what God's going to do? God's going to, his word says this, God's going to give them life. <laughs>